This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Good morning, I'm Ann Romer. Welcome to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. A soon-to-be friend of the show, Sean Stacy, had a dream season last year as this standard-bred trainer ended up with 98 wins and purse earnings of over $2.8 million. Good enough to have him see the opportunity to win an O'Brien Trophy at tonight's award ceremony in the leading trainer's category. As well, three of Sean's horses are up for awards tonight. We're going to meet Sean and talk more about last season, and, of course, tonight's award ceremony. Also today, Western Fair Raceways track announcer Shannon Sugar Doyle joins us. He's a lifer in the horse racing business. He has called both standardbred and thoroughbred races at racetracks right across this nation. Soon we will meet and talk with Sugar and learn more about his career, which has made him a staple at London's Western Fair Raceway and many other famous racetracks from coast to coast to coast. And Woodbine thoroughbred trainer Dan Vella recently announced his retirement from training. Dan, who achieved his first win as a licensed trainer back in 1985, went on to become head trainer for the prominent Woodbine-based Steve Stavro-owned Knob Hill Stables, where Dan remained until joining the racing operations of Frank Stronach in 1991. A sovereign award-winning trainer, Dan joins us today to talk about his decision to retire and what's next for this superstar trainer. And finally, he's back. My co-host Larry Simpson will once again try to sniff out some potential betting gems at Woodbine Mohawk Park and some other great North American tracks that are racing today with our Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. It's going to be a great show. Please get your HPI and Dark Horse accounts ready to go for some heavy-duty action today. When we come back, Larry Simpson will join us as we catch up on some recent horse racing news. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine. Woodbine by Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. More from the track when we come back on 105.9 The Region. Go from Dark Horse to Winner. Dark Horse is Woodbine's new easy-to-use betting app that brings the thrill of the track right to you. Its AI-powered insights and strategies help you make smarter bets straight out of the gate. Feel the excitement of live-streamed horse races wherever you go. Get $30 to start betting when you sign up today using promo code GET30. Download the app for free at PlayDarkHorse.com. Available on Android and Apple devices. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA provides members and their hardworking employees with medical insurance, pensions, benevolence, negotiations with racetracks and government government and provides vital industry information to the horse people. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine. 
Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. I'm Ann Romer. Let me introduce you to my co-host, Larry Simpson. Good to see you. And you've got some great news. I call it breaking news. Breaking news. Yeah, breaking news. We decided to uh, extend the date of the uh, online auction for Lymphoma Canada uh, to uh, this Tuesday midnight, February the 7th. It closes. It closes for good. There's uh, still some great stuff on there. And uh, we're looking to get uh, as much support for Lymphoma Canada as we possibly can. And that's a really good sign that you have had to extend it so that more people can continue to be a part of it. Yeah, we uh, we want to get uh, more people involved. And we, we just thought the best thing to, to do was extend it by a few days. So. And a reminder of what goodies are up for grabs in terms of a silent auction? Well, the the two biggest are there's two uh, Woodbine uh, dinner packages where you've got your choice to either the Stella Artois Terrace or the uh, the Woodbine Club uh, and there's two of those, and there's also some great uh, signed, autographed uh, stuff like uh, uh, Ron Waples' driving suit, uh, Chantel uh, Sutherland uh, uh, boots and, and uh, riding pants, and uh, other artwork, and yeah, there's some great stuff. Why Lymphoma Canada? Why are you trying to raise money to support Lymphoma Canada? Well, we've had you know so many people from Lymphoma Canada on on the show, and I'm basically uh, in remission, you could say, with lymphoma. So I've turned my attention to uh, trying to take a negative, which was getting lymphoma, and turning it into a positive, where you can uh, make some money, and the money goes for research and. Uh, education and 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 patient uh, therapy so it's a great cause where can people go to be a part of the silent auction now extended to february 7th at midnight you go to uh, lymphoma.ca and there's uh, right on the home page there's a button there and you can go right on and view the items and make your bids and uh yeah you know we're speaking about excellence the O'Brien Awards are going to be handed out tonight. Excellence in Canadian harness racing. Let's bring in our next guest who is, actually he's our first guest for the show, but he's also a first-timer on the show. His name is Sean Stacy. He is a standard-bred trainer, and he has a lot to say about the O'Brien Awards. Welcome to the show, Sean. Thanks very much for having me. Let's, let's get right into uh, your background. You've obviously... You're no stranger to this industry, right? You've you've ha- had some uh, family ties to it. Yeah, I'd have to say I'm probably third generation in harness racing. Uh, my grandfather um, used to run a, a the dining room at Kingston Park Raceway back uh, quite a few years ago, and my father has been in harness racing his entire life, uh, a trainer trainer full time, and I've been in grooming myself the whole time and, uh, you know, looking to take the family business forward. Tell me about training. Sean, tell us about training when it comes to harness racing, the horse, but also the driver, I would think. Yeah. Um, you know, um, there's a lot of foundational work that goes into training, uh, training a standard bred horse. Uh, you know, we get ours uh, at an early young age uh, as uh, yearlings and have to put about eight months of preparation, jogging, training miles into them at all times, uh, teaching them all the, 
you know, the things to do on the racetrack, how to keep their manners, when to use their energy, uh, develop their fitness. And, uh, you know, in correlation with that, uh, it responds to how the driver, the manners and everything of the horse responds to how the driver can handle them in the race when, when that time comes. And do you give advice to the driver based on what you're learning about the horse that you're training? I think the drivers look for advice. And, yeah, I like to try to give some insight to them. Uh, you know, special quirks that a horse might have in one form or another, or the style it kind of prefers to, to race. Um, usually the drivers are only hands-on with them for a short amount of time, so I like to give as much advice as we can. And after a couple of times that they've driven them, then they, they seem to know everything they need to know at high speeds. So at that point, it's on them. Before uh, we get into your career, year 2022, I just wanted to make a point. You mentioned Kingston Park Raceway. I think I'm probably the only person in this world that remembers Kingston Park Raceway that's old enough to remember it and actually race there and win a Cyrus stakes there. So. Yeah, I don't know if it's, uh, like, I'm, I'm not real old. I'm 36 years old, and I'm a little sad to say that I even remember the, uh, the Kingston Park Raceway days, too. So Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's talk about you and uh, 2022. It was a career year for you. Uh, what contributed, do you think, to the positive results this year or last year? Uh, there was, you know, many, many things that uh, contributed to it. Uh, right from the beginning, we were able to have a couple of owners uh, that were able to, you know, go to the yearling sales in the fall and step up and buy high-quality pedigrees and confirmation good horses that, you know, that we were able to train. And uh, they're the kind of horses that you like to and need to be able to start with to, uh, to be able to have success. Um, and saying that, uh, as the year kind of progressed and went forward, um, we had a couple of horses that stepped up to be, uh, one to be, I would say like a superstar kind of horse in Sylvia Hanover and, uh, or we, um, Sanya was an exceptional filly too, with, uh, incredibly high speed and, and competed at the highest level. Uh, we had a horse, uh, Ace of Aces, that competed at the highest level, Grand Circuit ranks. And then we had a lot of mid-level horses, too, that just uh, uh, were lunch pail kind of horses, mm-hmm. showed up week in, week out, and gave our, our stable a really mid-level success that, uh, that it's hard to come by, I'd say. You know, three of the horses that you just mentioned are up for O'Brien Awards tonight. What does that mean to you? That's, uh, you know, super special uh, in, in our business to be able to be nominated for those three horses for, uh, for an honor like that. It, uh, you know, it's something that all of Canadian harness racing defines themselves around. And, you know, we all achieved to, to get to that point, and we're just blessed that we're able to uh, have that opportunity tonight. And we can't forget that you're up for trainer of the year at the O'Brien Awards tonight. Yeah, no, and same thing again. Uh, very honored uh, to be nominated for uh, Trainer of the Year and uh, nominated for a Horsemanship Award, too. Um, horsemanship would be uh, a very special thing to me. Uh, my dad was able to win that uh, a few years back, too. And, uh, you know, just because he had a part of that, I'm really excited to be hopefully be able to be 
in the same kind of ranking with him on something like that, too. You know, you mentioned that this is a family affair. So what advice or what have you learned from the family members that have gone before you in this part of horse racing? Well, that's what uh, Stacy Stables, that's what we are as a big family operation. Um, you know, my father, my mother, my wife, my brother, and all their families were all involved together. So, and that's my brother and I in particular, that's who we learned from was our, our father and our grandfather. And that's, uh, what we know is our, is foundationally learned from our family and then what we've learned along the way. So, um, very, you know, excited that, uh, can be involved in a family, uh, ward or, or situation that would be the same. Talk about the steps, uh, Sean, that took you to where you became a full-time trainer. Yeah, well, I kind of always, in the back of my mind, I always knew that harness racing is what I wanted to do. Um, since I was just a kid, I've, I've lived and breathed the sport. And I finished out my high school, and after that, I jumped in full-time with my dad. And uh, he sent me on the road to take care of a lot of good horses. And since then, we've just, our, our bond and, and relationship working together has just developed stronger. And that's how we are, where we are today now. now and now this, our family stable is in my name, but it's hmm. still our family's operation. And will the dynasty continue? Do, does either you or your brother have children? Yes, uh, my brother has uh, two boys, and I have a stepson, and all three are very, uh, uh, very involved in in the horses and horse racing. Uh, now that my stepson is old enough, he uh, he can't take a night off. He's uh, <laughs> he's more addicted than I am. He just loves to go to the racetrack. That's so, great. That's uh, so great. <laughs> when I'm looking for a night off, he's pushing me to keep going all the time. So I, I'm getting a good push from behind me too. Yeah. Well, I want to bring up, uh, you had purse earnings of uh, over $3 million, or close to $3 million last year. And I know, I read someplace that you were quoted as saying that, you know, $1.5 million was a goal and $2 million would be a dream. Now, how did it feel to go over the $2 million? Yeah, once we got over the $2 million stage, um, you know, in a sense, the pressure kind of came off for our overall goal but the excitement level and the, and the drive to continue that was was always strong i was always hoping uh, i was counting at the last couple months of the year i'm like can we get that three can we get to that three number and i think we just fell like just a couple thousand dollars short of the overall three million so i would say in, in this year going forward in 2023 my humble uh, hope and goal would be to say, hopefully, we could get a hundred wins and we could get uh, three million dollars for next year. Hmm. So, what means the most to you? An O'Brien Award, which you will probably win tonight, one way or the other, purse earnings of three million dollars, or a word of praise from your father? Oh, that that that's an easy choice for me. <laughs> Uh, a word of praise for my father uh, means more than more than anything. You know, he's my he's my mentor, he's my hero, and uh, he's everything I want to be in life. So if I can be half the man that he is, I'll be a good man, and I'll be proud of that too. Okay. 
It's early, uh, Sean, but let's talk about 2023. Uh, how many two-year-olds do you have in training and anything we should have an eye on? Yeah, we've got um, a larger number than we've probably ever had now because we had some success last year. I think we're entering, uh, coming into the spring with about 30 uh, two-year-olds. And, you know, I don't like to to jump out and say one's good or the other's good at this stage because I got so many that are nice mm. and you can't tell at this time. Like anybody that tells you in February that I know this horse is good, I think they're just filling you with a load of baloney. <laughs> um, I think you can kind of tell which ones are, are not good, but... For for me to say that one's going to be a highly successful horse, I'm just hopeful more than anything still at this point. And how long does it take then to to sort of spot something special? And what would that special be in a horse that you might spot in the months to come? It, it's so hard to spot special. Um, like even uh, last year for us with Sylvia Hanover uh, being a phenomenal horse like she was, we were never sure um, until she put her nose on the starting gate. Uh, it was only three weeks before she qualified that we were we were in question of her. We had no, we didn't know if she would be mentally strong enough to 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 be a great horse. We knew she was going to race, but we never knew if she had that extra bit of what greatness takes. So I, I think it's really hard to tell until their competitive nature comes to surface in a race. So last question for you, Sean, you were talking about uh, Sylvia Hanover. Is she the best uh, horse you've ever trained to date? Uh, you know, she, it, she's awful close for, for me on paper as the trainer, I will, I'll say yes, of course. Um, she's the best horse that I ever trained, but, uh, over the years we've had a few really nice horses. And for me, I always felt that when we had, uh, Majestic Sun back in 2006, 2007, uh, he won Canadian Horse of the Year for us. And up until Sylvia Hanover came along, I would say hands down that he was the best horse we ever trained. But uh, if Sylvia can go out and continue to do what she has done as a two-year-old, which I'm hopeful she can do, uh, I'd like her to, you know, make me question Majestic Sun at that time. Hmm. Well put. In fact, everything you've said is just so interesting. I hope that you will join us again on Ponies 24-7. Standard bred trainer Sean Stacy. good luck tonight at the O'Brien Awards, by the way. Yeah, thank you so much. And, you know, hoping for the best tonight. And uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on your show. And you have been, you know, more than exceptionally friendly and, and good to me. And I, I appreciate it. Thanks. And good luck tonight. <laughs> Thank you. When we come back, track announcer Shannon Sugar Doyle joins us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Follow us on Twitter at 1059theregion. We'll be right back. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. 
Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to hpibet.com to join for free today. Costa, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, proudly serving Ontario horse people. Costa, helping to ensure and support a collaborative and vibrant harness racing industry based on integrity and accountability. For more information, please visit the Costa website at costaonline.com or call 905-854-2672. Ontario Racing, the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bread, and quarter horse racing at 15 racetracks. We are the voice of the Ontario horse racing industry, and we direct breed improvement programs, set annual race dates, and work on attracting new horse owners and race fans. Ontario Racing is committed to supporting a vibrant industry with one vision, working together for a stronger horse racing community. To get your horsepower, go to OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing, three breeds, one vision. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Well, Shannon Sugar Doyle joins us on Ponies 24-7, and for a decade, 10 years, Sugar has been the regular track announcer at London's Western Fair Raceway and the native of Summerside PEI. Joins us on the show for the first time. That means he's now going to be, Larry, a friend of the show. He's going to talk about his career, which has seen him travel to several racetracks right across this nation. Sugar, Welcome to the show. Thank you, and it's uh, wonderful to join you. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a great run for me. I've, I've had a lot of fun doing what I do. I got to ask you the very first question, and then it's out of the way. The elephant in the room, and I'm not referring to Larry. <laughs> the sugar. Where did that nickname come from? You know, I get asked this quite a bit, and it's uh, it's very simple. I, I coach some uh, minor hockey, uh, some great uh, kids back home, Summerside, Prince Edward Island. All the kids had nicknames. They wanted a nickname for their coach. Uh, one of the kids suggested, how about the candy man? I always had suckers and candy in my pocket. Mom stepped right in and said, Ain't going to be the candy man. How about sugar? <laughs> and it's done. That is great. Yeah. All right. Well, keeping on the, on the sweet topic, <laughs> talk about how, how did you, uh, what was it like growing up in the uh, harness racing industry and how did you become so interested? Oh, it, it, it was quite easy for me. Mom uh, tagged along with her to the races when I was 10 years old. So we're, we're going back quite a ways, early 80s, Summerside, Prince Edward Island. I walked into the track, and, and I fell in love with the horses, uh, found myself skipping school to go uh, clean stalls and uh, that kind of stuff, Hop, hopping in uh, trucks with horses on board uh, to, to go to places like Charlottetown. And uh, you know what? I, I just enjoyed it so much, and it's been a passion ever since. Uh, when I when I was younger, you know, I'd roll up a program and and make God I was calling races through a <laughs> microphone. It, it was like that. That's incredible. How did you step into the role of track announcer? How did that happen? You know, I, I tried for years to to find work, but uh, you know, there, there's lots of great voices. There always has been, 
uh, down around Prince Edward Island, um, uh, listening to a voice like Kevin Boomer Gallant. He, he was the uh, uh, the caller for a number of years at the Charlottetown Driving Park. Uh, I'd be on my paper route with a transistor radio, uh, listening to him uh, call off old home week uh, race calls, and and I said that's that's what I want someday, <laughs> someday. And uh, it, it took some time. Um, I did some matinee racing on Prince Edward Island, raced a few horses myself. They needed a caller one day in O'Leary, Prince Edward Island, Western Prince Edward Island. I filled in, had a great time, and uh, a job opportunity came up in Edmonton 2006. It was posted online. I made some calls. I got some calls. Called my first race in Prince Edward Island, January of 2006 and became the caller at Northlands Park, Edmonton, the next month. Wow. Bravo. Congratulations. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Thanks so much. It's, like I said, wonderful run. Well, we'll get to your your run at uh, Western Fair shortly, but I want to ask you, about a couple of years back, you were calling the Thoroughbreds at uh, Fort Erie. How did that gig open up for you? Yeah, um, I, I did some Thoroughbred calling out west, so uh, I had never seen a thoroughbred until I arrived in Alberta some 16, 17 years ago. Anyway, when I came to uh, to London, Ontario, th- there was a job available uh, for the summer. We don't race in London during the summer months, so uh, the opportunity came up at Fort Erie. They were looking for a caller, I believe, summer of 2015. Um, I jumped at the chance. Fort Erie, beautiful, beautiful mm. spot. Uh, played a lot of golf around the Niagara region with some great people, some great friends involved at the track at Fort Erie. And, uh, yeah, that, w- that was a-, a wonderful time. You know, Prince of Wales Stakes, big deal. Big deal for this kid from uh, small town, Prince Edward Island. <laughs> I'll say. So was it difficult calling the th- getting back into the thoroughbreds again? Like you said, you had called them in, in the past, but... You know, mm-hmm. you, you're traditionally a standard guy, right? So was there a big difference? You know what? The call, calling harness was always easy for me. Uh, thoroughbred uh, racing, big challenge, bigger challenge. I enjoyed it. I, I relished at the chance to uh, excel at calling thoroughbreds. Uh, learning in Edmonton, it was quite easy, actually, out there. The, the jockey's caps would match the color of the saddlecloth. Mm-hmm. So that's how I learned to call the thoroughbreds in Edmonton. When I came to Fort Erie, that wasn't the case. Uh, I'd have a dozen horses turning for home. The sun is setting, and there'd be six jockeys with black caps on oh, their head. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So, yeah, it, it, that, that was very challenging for me, but uh, I did my best. Can I tell you and Larry a little secret? Sure. Okay. When I was a sports anchor in the late 80s at City TV here in Toronto, I had the honor of calling a race under the watchful eye of Dan Loisel. And it was one of the most difficult things I have ever done in my entire life. I completely blew it. It was just awful. It was so embarrassing. But I sure have a lot of respect for anyone who calls a race. How What's the process that you go through? I mean, you've mentioned, you know, identifying caps and colors and that sort of thing. But tell me, what mm-hmm. what, what do you, what comes first? The jockey's name, the horse's name, the, the colors? How do you keep track of it all when they're they're barreling down the final stretch? 
there is prep work. There, there's no memorizing for me beforehand, but there's plenty of prep work. Uh, I always doodled in the jockey's colors and the cap color right next to the horse's name. So that's what I went to. That, that was my go-to. Uh, distinguish the jockey's colors, which are the o- colors for the owners, and put that with the horse's name. Uh, again, the caps were easy out in Edmonton because they matched the saddle cloth number, got tougher at Fort Erie, but uh, we managed okay. So really it's the jockey colors with the horse's name. That's what I go on. How do you maintain your your uh, calm through this? Because I know you get excited yeah. when you're calling it, but you must be jumping out of your seat sometimes. Uh, oh, it's very easy to get excited. I mean, it's tough to contain, right? Uh whether it's harness or thoroughbreds. I know there was a race years ago in Edmonton. Um, there was a horse by the name of Freedom's Traveler, uh, won our Canadian Derby, I believe it was 2011. Uh, the former owner had passed months before. His partner, Leanne Connectel, was the winning trainer. The horse was circling them into the final turn, and uh, he was sent by the Angels. And that was the race call, and I was in tears for the whole final quarter mile. Wow. wow. That's quite a yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been a great it's been a lot a lot of fun. Yeah. Now you've been over 10 years calling the races at Western Fair, the harness races in London. Yeah. Uh there must be some real highlights, eh, over the, the those past years. Oh, for sure. There's been some wonderful horses uh I I've seen come and go. Uh I think it was my first Molson pace. Uh, I came in in the fall of 2013, the Molson Pace of 2014, uh, state treasurer, uh, huge, huge victory in, in our signature event. He, he went on to win three uh, Molson Pace events, uh, foiled again, uh, very popular. Uh, you know what? When, when he showed up in London, I made it a point to get down to the paddock to go face-to-face with him. Um, I don't script race calls, but... Uh, you want to bet I had a little something to say with foiled again turning for home. It's foiled again being awesome. It's awesome being foiled again. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Have you ever tripped up, by the way, when calling a race live where something comes out the way it perhaps shouldn't? <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, <laughs> you know what? And when I first started calling, I'd go home and I'd think about it and I'd have trouble sleeping if I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Now they just bounce off of me. Well, one of my first uh, mistakes that, uh, you know, it got funny. I went to the horseman's cafeteria. They all belted out when I walked in. Uh, I think the call went something like, look at this, look at this pilly face. <laughs> well, it was supposed to be, look at this silly pace. And, you know, it's, it's very easy to get tripped up. Uh, you know, I've, I've never been a, a, a big public speaker or anything, but you know what? Uh, humans, we're, we're not perfect. <laughs> hey, listen, it makes you even sweeter, Sugar. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I read somewhere, too, Sugar, that back in November, you actually called uh, a, a night of races, at, a card of races at Woodbine Mohawk Park. Is this true? Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it, very true. Again, another huge deal for for this guy from Prince Edward Island. You know, I... I, I, I began calling races in O'Leary Prince Edward Island where horses were racing for a bag of potatoes. Oh. Yeah. I'm, I'm not kidding. And here I am calling at the, the Mecca for harness racing in Canada. It's just incredible. 
You strike me as a very humble man, and I know you attribute a lot of that to your your early life in PEI. Mm-hmm. What about now? How how do you see yourself in the future? You you're doing beautifully at your job right now. Would you like to be involved in any other aspect of horse racing right now? Uh, I this is this is my passion uh, announcing horse races. Uh, I have some great co-workers here in, in London. I've had some uh, wonderful co-workers and, and friends out west. Uh, I, I just don't see myself doing anything else in the business other than calling races. It's when I get out of my vehicle in the parking lot, showing up for work. I'm buzzing. I'm bouncing. I'm I'm excited walking into the grandstand, and uh, there's no other job I've had in my life, and I've had some great jobs, but to show up for work, bouncing and being excited, that's, you, you can't beat that. Is there a race or a track that you have not called at yet, but you'd like to? Hmm. <laughs> that, that's a, that's a tough one. Now you've got me on the spot for something like that. Mm. <laughs> You're buying time. I know that, and I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? May, maybe a race someday at, at a place like uh, Hoosier Park. I, I'm very fond of that big track uh, uh, south of the border. There's been some real nice horses uh, racing. Bulldog Hanover's big win there uh, last year. So Hoosier Park would be would be a track where I'd like to call a race someday. Why is it that uh, people from PEI are so passionate about horse racing, or harness racing, I should say? Harness racing is front and center in Prince Edward on a lot of ways. Uh, PEI is big on tourism, of course, and they have included harness racing in the tourism aspect, whereas I mentioned Old Home Week, it's a, a middle week of August where... You see horses come from New Jersey, from uh, Toronto. The big, biggest and best horses are showing up there for what they call the Gold Cup and Saucer. That's their signature event. Uh, it's 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 pretty close to what a little brown jug would be uh, south of the border. So, yeah, for, for, for Prince Edward Island, harness racing front and center. The government is behind it. And uh, you know what? One night a year, Gold Cup and Saucer night, they'll put twenty twenty five thousand people on the fence watching the race in person. Quickly, uh, before we let you go, uh, talk about tonight's uh, O'Brien Awards. Um, obviously, Horse of the Year is Bulldog Hanover. Yes, <laughs> I, I love that horse. Uh, trainer Jack Darling uh, met him in June, left with a parting gift, a pair of shoes that belonged to... Uh, the Bulldog, they're hanging on my office wall. Uh, this O'Brien's is going to be fabulous for me in, in many ways. You know, the return of an in-person event. I haven't danced in like two or three years, and I love dancing. So the dance floor is going to be on following the horse. I've got lots of friends that are involved with horses uh, that are that are up for awards. I've got friends like James McDonald, who's up for a driver, Doug McNair. So this one's extra special for me to attend. What a pleasure to have you on the show, and it's your first time. I know it will not be your last. I just think you're remarkable, and we've learned so much about you. Shannon Sugar Doyle, thank you for joining us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, a thrill. Thanks so much, Ann and Larry. It was a blast. 
After the break, when we come back, newly retired superstar trainer Dan Vela joins us on Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Live in Ontario? Ever dreamt about owning a racehorse? You need to take Ontario Racing's Horse Ownership 101 Virtual Seminars. Join horse racing expert Elisa Blow and learn about standard bred and thoroughbred ownership opportunities in Ontario with options for every price point. These free sessions are available in a one-on-one setting or as a group. For a list of seminar dates and to book your ownership seminar, go to ontarioracing.com slash horse dash ownership today. Enjoy the thrill of the race anytime with HPIBet.com, the number one betting site for experienced horse players. Join for free and watch and wager when you can't bet at the track. Stream live racing from over 500 tracks from around the world. Bet with ease from anywhere. It's safe and secure. Sign up today and get one month free live race streaming. Plus, for a limited time, get a $100 bonus and your first bet is on us. Go to HPIBet.com to join for free today. COSA, the Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, proudly serving Ontario horse people. COSA, helping to ensure and support a collaborative and vibrant harness racing industry based on integrity and accountability. For more information, please visit the COSA website at cosaonline.com or call 905-854-2672. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing, is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Welcome back to Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. Woodbine trainer extraordinaire Dan Vela recently announced his retirement from training and the trainer of horses that earned over $39 million throughout his career. He joins us right now to talk about retirement and what do you think is coming next for Dan Vela? Welcome to the show, Dan. Hello, how are you guys doing today? Great, and Larry? We're doing great, and I guess you're doing great now. Uh, where where did the idea to, to retire come from? Well, you know, I mean, I'm 67. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, you start thinking about it when you're 65, and you uh, go one year at a time and, uh, you know, see how much you enjoy it. And I started thinking about, uh, you know, starting things back up this year. It's... Uh, it's very strenuous. You have to uh, align the horses and the employees and everything. And I just said to myself, you know what? I don't, I don't think I want to do this right now. Hmm. Are you certain that you want to retire? You know, we think about Tom Brady, who swears this week that he's retired <laughs> for good. Will you miss the sport? Well, I will definitely continue being around the sport in some capacity. Uh, you know, I, I love horse racing. It's been my life's work and uh, my life's love, if you want to call it that. Uh, I uh, I intend to be around the industry. There are other ways to be around. But, uh, you know, I've been getting up at four in the morning for 50 years wow. and uh, <laughs> six, seven days a week. And, uh and I, I don't think people realize sometimes, you know, like you're comparing us to the football and hockey and stuff like that. But when you're a coach or a trainer, the amount of stress that's on you, you know, you always have to produce. I mean, that's what sports are like, you know. So uh, I've been playing at a pretty good level for 
over 30 years. And, uh, you know, sometimes you say to yourself, well, there's got to be other things to do that aren't quite so stressful. You know, Dan, that makes perfect sense the way you put it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's day in, day out, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you love it, it's a passion, it's a way of life, but at some point, too, you say to yourself, well, maybe enough's enough. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you started out in the business over 50 years ago, uh, did you ever think you would have trained the winners of over $39 million and won a couple of Sovereign Awards? Hmm. You know, I was, uh, you know, just walking hots, working on the backside. My first job was for Jerry Levine. And, uh, you know, I I thought it was brilliant just getting paid to uh, work with horses. I thought that was fantastic. And uh, I think if you'd asked me at that time uh, if my career would take off like it did, uh, I I would have said, yeah, very unlikely. But, uh, you know. I made some lucky changes and moves in my life and things that worked for me and uh, was associated with some great people and some great horses. Uh, Very lucky. And Dan, what were those moves? So at 17, you were a hot walker. So how, what did you do? What were the opportunities that you saw before you and that you said yes to it? What were those moves like taking you to the position you're in now, which is one of the best trainers ever? Well, I think part of being at an exclusive level in anything, uh, any industry, any sport, is that, you know, you have to make that commitment at some point in your life to do a little extra and to, uh, you know, uh, make it your life's passion. It, it, it's not a job. It's it's not part-time. You have to commit to it 110%. And I spend uh, many, many hours when I was young focusing on horse racing and uh, concentrating on, you know, different training styles, handicapping horses. You know, it was, uh, it was, you know, pretty much every waking minute when I was young and uh, the passion just grew from there and, and, you know, things worked out for me, but I think it's that extra commitment that certain, you know, people, you have to be committed you mentioned earlier, Dan, uh, Jerry Levine, a very good trainer in his own right. Uh, would you consider him a mentor when you were first getting into the business and first had the idea to become a trainer, or was there somebody else that was maybe a mentor to you? Probably, yeah, Jerry Mormon, who I worked for later for Sheffrey Farms. Uh, he was probably what I would call my mentor. He he was the one that pushed me, you know, to do those extra hours and to do the extra work and to commit myself to getting my license at a young age. Uh, one of my owners right now, his name is uh, Stephen Shevsky, and uh, that was my very first job as an assistant when I was maybe 19 years old, was for his father. And uh, we've been associated for... 50 years, Jerry and I, or Stephen and I, his father, Jerry first, and then Stephen. And uh, we've grown a great, you know, lifetime relationship through it. But uh, that trainer, Jerry Mormon, and probably Jerry Shevsky were the guys that pushed me uh, to a higher level. And Dan, the two Jerrys that you're speaking of, what were the life lessons that they taught you or the one thing that stands out to you that made a difference in your career as they were mentoring you? 
I think Jerry Shasky, the owner, you know, was was uh, you know just the le- being level-headed and being committed and focused on what you were doing. Jerry Marmon was a very different type of guy. He he thought outside the box. You know, he trained each horse as an individual. Uh, he looked at each one as a blank slate and and how do you build it and how do you get it to you know to perform at the maximum level and i think that uh, those were the two things you know uh, that each one brought to the table and during your career dan you did some training for a guy by the name of frank stronic didn't you <laughs> the stronics are fantastic people uh, they definitely uh, upped my career you know i had the uh, great uh, you know uh, fortune of being around some fantastic horses when I worked for them. And, uh, you know, it, it worked out great for both of us. We had some very, very good years together, you know, with sovereign awards and Eclipse awards and leading owner and stuff like that. And, uh, I've always been thankful to them, but, uh, yeah, great horses is a big part of it. Before the Frank Stronach operations in 1991, you were the head trainer uh, for Steve Stavro uh, and his Knob Hill Stables. What was that experience like for you? Steve's a very strong-willed man. Uh, you know, he was uh, he he was aggressive, and uh, you know, there was a. It took me a while to learn how to uh, handle that type of an aggressive guy, and. Uh, you know, I mean, it was very important to my career. We got along very well for for years, but uh, he, he was different. He was aggressive, and he was overbearing at times, and not in a mean way, just a strong way, pushing you harder, too, you know. So uh, he was a very interesting guy, and I, I had the great luck of being around some great horses and his family. You know, we became friends, and... Uh, you know, it was uh, it was a great experience, uh, but he was a stronger will guy, uh, and uh, you know, you you in any industry you meet different types of people like that. And you've you've basically worked for a who's who of uh, horse racing, you could say, right? Uh, is there one person that maybe gave you that biggest break that got you on your career? Well. It'd be hard to get past the Stronics, uh, you know, um, but also John Secura, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I had, uh, I, I was kind of unemployed for a while there and John called me up. It was one of those turning points in my career. And he was the first one that called me up, him and Stronics, and they both put horses in my barn. It's when I, when I was with Stavro, it was kind of a private job. And then I went kind of public as a public trainer and uh john shakira was a very very big part of that and i'm still friends with his sons too uh glenn shakira is a great fella and we've been friends a long time so not only do you develop these relationships but you develop friendships at the same time but i was very lucky to be around those people let's talk about the horses that you've trained some pretty nice ones in your career was the best one in your view so far and you are calling it a day a career this year now but you never know but up to this moment who stands out in your mind which horse well Basquian was my very first queen's plate winner uh he was a great personality to be around uh 
you know, might have been, you know, as good a horse as I ever trained personally. Uh, you know, Explosive Red was a great horse. But probably the best horse I was ever around when I was training for Stronic on the farm uh, was Ghost Zapper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ghost Zapper, I think, there's certain levels in every sport, you know, and you get to a level, I call them, they're kind of like athletic freaks. They just do things that other animals can't do. And I mean, there's hockey players like that. And, you know, there's Tom Brady, you know, mm-hmm. he's like that. I mean, there's just a level above the top level. And Go Sapper was one of those horses from the very first uh, time we started breezing him as a youngster. You could tell that there was more in the tank. And some of the things he did on the racetrack, you know, they're hard to explain how horses do that kind of stuff. And, and it's, uh, he, he was a super horse. Talk about the Minkster. You were on the Queen's Plate Trail last year with, with the Minkster and things just didn't pan out. Were you disappointed? Well, we were a bit disappointed in him. He's a very talented horse. Uh, you know, he showed us a lot of, a lot of uh, great things as a youngster, but uh, the year didn't go perfect. I mean, he had some setbacks during the year and, uh, you know, trying to figure out exactly what uh, worked for him best, but also he had some minor physical setbacks that has uh, cost him some time. And, that's the tough thing about sports. I mean, you can have the best team and not win, or you can have the best horse and not win, but he's a great horse, and uh, he'll show that over the rest of his career. Dan, as you look back at your career, is there anything you would have done differently? Geez, I can't really think of anything that I would have changed. I, I've enjoyed it. It's been, uh, you know, very... Uh, I've been lucky. It's been associated with great people. Uh, learned a lot over the years about uh, horses, about life. And, you know, I mean, uh, no, I wouldn't change a whole lot. But you've probably seen a lot of changes in the industry since you got into the business, right, to where you are now. What would you consider would be the biggest change? Well, the way we train horses now, one of the toughest things when you're in a and in industry for a long time is that the the horses in the industry change any industry does and you know you have to update your training styles to suit the horses uh from you know 2022 uh, they're different animals than they were in in you know 1990 and stuff like that so uh, one of the biggest challenges for a trainer throughout his career is to keep adapting to the type of horses that are being produced at that time, and it changes, and uh, it's an ongoing thing, and you have to relearn uh, as you go. Dan, we know here at Ponies 24-7 that you've been mentoring some of the up-and-coming trainers. What's your best advice to them now? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, they're individuals, the horses, I guess that's the toughest thing. Uh, you know, we tend to do things that work for us. You know, you work with a certain horse and a certain program seems to work and you say, all right, I'm going to make that work for this horse and that. Well, they're individuals and you have to treat them that way. And, uh, you know, I'm sure the coaches, you know, hockey coaches and and football coaches feel the same way about their athletes that they're working with. They have to, you know, treat each one individually and bring out their strengths, which 
you know, are sometimes not easy to do and sometimes uh, they're very forthcoming. So, you know, you have to adapt to the animal. I just want to ask you quickly, do you still have any horses left or have you basically got rid of uh, them to other trainers now? All my horses that I was training have been uh, assigned to other uh, other trainers. Uh, I do own a, a small piece of a few horses still with Stephen Shevsky and uh, his partners, and uh, I look forward to uh, being at the races and watching them run. And uh, we've uh, we've picked Don McRae to train those horses. Mm-hmm. He's a bright young trainer and. Uh, Understands the industry, takes great care of his horses, and uh, deals with his horses in a way that uh, you know that I can live with. So, uh, yeah, that's a great thing. You are so great, Danville. Happy trails in retirement. All the very best, and thank you so much for joining us on Ponies Twenty Four Seven, the Radio Magazine. Well, thank you guys very much, and and have a great day. After the break, Larry Simpson looks at some racing action today around North America, including Woodbine Mohawk Park and some racing at several other North American tracks. So please make sure your HPI accounts and Dark Horse app are ready to work overtime today. Stay with us for Larry's Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Listen live at 105.9 The Region. Discover a new breed of excitement with Live Horse Racing. Ontario Racing represents 15 racetracks where you can experience the excitement of thoroughbred, standard bred, and quarter horse racing. To find the racetrack nearest you, go to OntarioRacing.com. New to betting? Check out our Betting 101 page and learn about the HPI Bet Wagering Platform and the Dark Horse app. The best and safest online betting options. Get your horsepower at OntarioRacing.com and experience the excitement. Ontario Racing. Three breeds, one vision. The Horsemen's Benevolent and Protective Association of Ontario, the HBPA, has represented thoroughbred owners and trainers at Woodbine and Fort Erie racetracks since 1950. The HBPA promotes the exchange of ideas to further advance, market and preserve live racing in Ontario while offering new thoroughbred ownership opportunities. Membership to the HBPA is free for owners and trainers. For more information on the HBPA of Ontario, please visit our website at hbpa.on.ca. Lymphoma Canada and Ponies 24-7 recommend that you don't horse around with lymphoma. Lymphoma affects the lymphatic system of both horses and humans, and currently there are over 100,000 Canadians living with the disease. Lymphoma is also the most common cancer diagnosis for adolescents and young adults. Visit lymphoma.ca ponies to donate to the Don't Horse Around with Lymphoma campaign. With your help, we can promote early detection, assist newly diagnosed patients, and support lymphoma research. This is 105.9 The Region. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine covering the world of horse racing is brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Over to your hosts, Ann Romer and Larry Simpson. Before we wrap up our show, of course, what would Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine, be without a couple of possible betting opportunities and potential betting gems? As Larry gives us his Ponies Picks of the Day, sponsored by Rocket Ship Racing. What have you got, Larry? 
Thanks, Anne. Let's start at Gulfstream. They have a 12 race card today, including the running of the Grade 3 $250,000 Holy Bull Stakes, which is a mile and a 16th on the dirt. It's a Kentucky Derby qualifier with the top five receiving points. And that's the race that I think we're going to look at today, which is race 12 on the card. I believe the race goes through number four, Cyclone Mischief, though, who totally destroyed an allowance field on January the 8th at Gulfstream which also happened to be his first start on Lasex. In that race, Cyclone Mischief drew off to win by five and three-quarter lengths, and it was also the first time that jockey Tyler Gaffleone was aboard, and he's back aboard today. Cyclone Mischief is a horse that continues to improve in every start. His 90 buyer speed rating that he earned in his last race is the best in the Holy Bull field. He's worked well since the January 8th win, and trainer Dale Romans is 28% with horses that won their last start. So Gulfstream Park... Race 12, the Holy Bull Stakes, number 4, Cyclone Mischief. Santa Anita has a 10 race card today, and race 7 is a maiden optional claimer for 3-year-olds at 7 furlongs on the dirt, and number 8, Motorcade, is making his second lifetime start after a better-than-it-looked debut race on January 6th at Santa Anita. In that January 6th debut, Motorcade broke slowly, Zoom forward the chase from the mid-pack and then evened out late to finish third. Uh, trainer John Sadler is a good 24% with Maidens making their second start. And Sadler and Motorcade's rider, Juan Hernandez, are a combined 21% wins. Uh, Motorcade worked a nice five furlongs in 101-1 on January 27th to tune up nicely for today's start. And at morning line 4-1, to one, Motorcade may be a nice uh, value price play today. So Santa Anita, race 7, number 8, Motorcade. Uh, Woodby Mohawk Park has an 11 race card tonight. Race 5 is a one-mile pace for a purse of $22,000. Uh, number 2, South Beach Hanover, has been a picture of consistency for our new friend of the show, trainer Sean Stacy. Uh, last week from post 8, Sun Beach Hanover was a two-move horse blasting out to the start to secure a two-hole trip. He actually got stuck down on the rail and was pushed back to 6. South Beach Hanover was able to close some up the rail to secure a third-place finish. And if friend of the show driver Bob McClure can map out a good trip with South Beach Hanover tonight like he did five starts back, then South Beach Hanover could get the job done tonight. So Woodbine Mohawk Park, race five, number two, South Beach Hanover. The Meadowlands has a 14 race card, and race four is a one-mile trot for a purse of $18,000. Number one, Harry Knows, is an interesting story, as you don't see a lot of Irish breads on the standardbred side and racing in North America. And that's what we have here with Harry Nose. He's making his first start in North America tonight at the Meadowlands. His January 21st qualifier at the Meadowlands shows that this guy can trot with a wire-to-wire qualifying win in 153-4, last quarter in 28-3. Looking at the field in tonight's Meadowlands fourth race, 153 and change looks to be the level that the field is trotting around. And having been off since November 20th, before this January 21st qualifier, Harry Nose should only be better fitness-wise. I also like the fact that Harry Nose likes to win with 23 victories and 33 starts and 9 of 15 last year. So the Meadowlands race for number one, Harry Nose. Larry, you always amaze me. You are so good at this. Just before we go, I want to uh, say a big shout-out to Mark at Fans of Horse Racing. Hey, Mark, from all of us here at Ponies 24-7. And to you listening right now, thank you very much for joining us for this edition of Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine. A little reminder, if you'd like to receive a free digital copy of the current issue of Ponies 24-7 magazine, and, by the way, a new one will be released shortly, please email Larry Simpson at theponies247experience at gmail.com. And 
don't forget about the Ponies 24-7 Lymphoma Canada campaign. Don't horse around with lymphoma. For more info on this, go to the landing page, lymphoma.ca forward slash ponies. Donate to the cause. Remember, our online silent auction of sports and horse racing memorabilia and guest experiences has extended now until midnight, Tuesday, February 7th. Once again, go to Lymphoma Canada's website where you'll see the items displayed. And please don't forget to keep visiting the site to check whether your bid is still alive. Stay with 105.9 The Region all weekend long. Thank you so much for listening. Ponies 24-7, the radio magazine with Ann Romer and Larry Simpson has been brought to you by Woodbine, Woodbine Mohawk Park, Ontario Racing, and Rocket Ship Racing. Tune in next Saturday morning at 8 for more from the world of horse racing. This is 105.9 The Region.